Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everybody, to another brand-new episode of It's My Wrestling Podcast. I'm, of course, as always, your host, Chris Dees. Today's episode, a little bit different to the norm. If you've ever watched my, my show before, you'll know that I tend to interview wrestlers. But what I've done today is I've gathered three of the best guys from the IWC, the fucking hive of villainy and scum that is the IWC, and picked out some of the actual good guys. And we've gathered here today to do a retro review, but with a little bit of a difference. You know, loads of great content creators and loads of great channels out there do some awesome retro reviews about individual shows, individual pay-per-views, individual matches and stuff like that. But we're going to try and somehow condense all of the year 2001 in WWE into one episode. I don't know how we're going to do it. We might be here all night. Who knows? There's a lot to talk about in 2001. But before we get into it, I'm going to introduce my guests for the evening. I've got my very good friend, Mr. Mike Nunn, my former writing colleague at Bodyslam.net. We have our... Um, overseas contingent for the night because this is a very british episode but we've got mr jimmy Bebe all the way from the states and my good friend mr george <clears throat> booker mr george booker <laughs> from the what do you call it podcast guys thank you so much for joining me um first thing i want to ask is like when when i say wwe in 2001 uh, george what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear hear wwe in 2001 Despite the reception that it has, the invasion angle. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's one of those, it's, it's one thing that we're going to get really deep into today. But like for, it's one of those things that's remembered for all the wrong reasons when it had the potential to be obviously remembered for all the right reasons. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Mike? I'm going to say Chris Jericho becoming the undisputed champion, beating the Rock and Austin in one night because... It's a moment that's still talked about to this day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. and it's an underrated moment as well. It's not talked about yeah. enough because of everything else great that happened in that year. I think people forget that it happened. Has anyone ever, ever won two more high-profile matches in one night in their whole career? I don't no. think so. No, no, no. I go out on a limb and say they have not. No, Jimmy, how about you, man? Uh, sadness, because it was the end of an era. I was a WCW guy, and to watch <laughs> it just go like that, I was sad. <laughs> Very sad. Yeah, and it's like he's often credited with being the end of the attitude era as well. So, you know, yep. as, as great a year as it was, it, it was also the end of, of two of the you know the main staples of that that time that we that we known to grow and love, you know. Yes. Um right, so let's get into it then. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't start with the biggest pay-per-view of of a generation. You know, you ask 99% of wrestling fans and they will say that WrestleMania 17 is not only the greatest wrestling pay-per-view of all time it's wwe's greatest pay-per-view of all time it's the most important pay-per-view of all time and just just from you know from an entertainment side of view and from a wrestling point of view as well you know it had everything it had it, it wasn't a perfect card let's be honest um i'm just going to bring the card up now you know we it's one of those things that as fans we look back nostalgia look at it through rose tinted glasses but there was a lot of shit on this card 
you know, is is heavily outweighed by great matches and great moments. But <clears throat> you've got <laughs> makes me fucking laugh just to be even about to say these words out loud. Just the incredible and X Pack with Albert as X Factor um, versus Grandmaster Sexay and Steve Blackman. Uh, just five guys who clearly they they must have been in the ring thinking, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> How did this come about? How did we get paired together? But there was there was loads like that on this card, man. You had Taz and the APA versus the let's not talk about right to censor too much, but yeah, against right to censor, that was pretty fucking bad as well. Um Chris Jericho versus William Regal, you know, that was a good match, a really good feud centered around pissing in somebody's teapot. Um, that, I think that was more more remembered for the story than it was for the match itself, as good yeah. as it may have been. Um, Kane versus Raven and the Big Show in a hardcore triple threat match, which was a lot of fun, but heavily criticised, always has been. A lot of people say that that was the worst thing on this card. I don't know about you guys. I enjoyed it. It was silly. Yeah. Well, it was all right. I mean, compared to China and Ivory, it was match of the year. Yeah. <laughs> there was a gimmick battle royal on this thing. How could they hate that more than that? Mm. Yeah, China and Ivory was like a two-minute thirty match, pointless. I I love China. Don't get me wrong. God bless her soul. I miss China, but yeah, that was a, a waste of a spot. That um, you had Shane with Linda versus Vince with Steph and Trish. We will get on to the the intricacies of that match a little bit later on. It was a lot of fun. It was about a fifteen-minute yeah. match. It was a spot fest, like I think we expected it to be. It was the culmination of a big feud. It was a lot of fun. Um, but in terms of, of wrestling, you know, it was it was nothing special. Um, <laughs> we've got to mention the gimmick battle royal because it happened. That was a thing that was allowed. I have a soft spot for it, by the way. Like Bobby Heenan's commentary is great. Like Iron Sheets walking down. Like, by the time he gets down there, it'll be WrestleMania 37. Just, you know, great <laughs> memories. I mean, it was a shit match, but I look back on it fond memories. You know, you could, you could clearly tell Iron Sheik was going to win it too because he was the only one that was not going to be getting thrown over that top rope. <laughs> and if I remember rightly, didn't um, when Sergeant Slaughter came back in and put him in the um, yeah. put him in the sleep yeah. hole at the end, didn't didn't he like let go of the sleep hold and Iron Sheik just walked away? No, he bumped. Oh, did he bump? I couldn't remember. Uh, I mean, if you call it a bump, but... <laughs> it's the best bump we're going to get from a. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I sort of wanted to talk about this match, but obviously, like I said, it's, it's such a big card and we could be here all night. I feel bad for not putting more emphasis on this, but The Undertaker versus Triple H in what, for me personally, is the best match those two guys have ever had against each yeah, other. I know absolutely. they had their WrestleMania classics that everybody talks about, the, the two years back to back, many years later. But for me, this was their best match. They just beat the holy shit out of each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was brutal. Yeah. What, what did you guys think of that match? I mean, compared to the ones that they would have later on at WrestleMania 27 and 28, it is a good match, but I do prefer the Mania matches that they would have later on. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the uh, that's their best Mania match as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I like the physicality of it. Uh, the choke slam spot out in the crowd, that was fun. Um, but yeah, just the overall physicality of it made it uh, my favorite of the three. Yeah. It wasn't as big as their more recent two matches because The Undertaker wasn't, to be honest, he wasn't as big as he was towards the end of his career. He, he wasn't the top guy in WWE. People tend to forget that, but he wasn't. Mm. Um, 
at that time. Yeah, it, great match because they were more obviously in their prime for this. Um, both of them were a lot younger, but for the story, I prefer the later matches, but for the physicality, yeah, probably this one. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, we had Eddie versus Test, uh, a match that, to be honest, I, I forgot even happened. This is my favourite pay-per-view of all time, and I forgot that that match happened, which probably says a lot about it. I don't remember if it was particularly good. It was alright. Mm-hmm. to this, it went on for about 10 minutes. A lot of distractions. Uh, right. The first big, major, like, critically acclaimed clinic, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit in what, as, as far as I'm concerned, is both guys' best match ever. You know, the culmination of just such an intense, great... Oh, I heard a... Disagree, disagree. The match at Rumble 2003 was the better match, in my opinion. Each to their own, but they they, on the match they, at Mania, yeah, yeah. 17 was fantastic. Loved it. But the match at Rumble 2003 was epic. They had a submission match, didn't they, the following pay-per-view, yeah. which went over half an hour. It was the um, ultimate submission match. That yeah. was a yeah, great, yeah. great Absolutely. match. But... That, that just shows the strength of both of these guys, doesn't it? Like they, yeah. they, they could have had a rivalry that literally lasted another 10, 15 years if, yeah. if certain things hadn't have happened. Um, and it would have never have got boring. It would have never have, you know, these are just yeah. masters of their craft, two of the greatest to ever do it. Um, it's just, it's a shame that we're not allowed to talk about Chris Benoit anymore. Yeah, you know, he was one of the greats. He was one of the best to do it. Um, right, let's move on to the, the matches then that we're actually going to get really into and talk about in depth. Um, going to start off with, with the main event of the night. Seems weird to start with the main event, I know, but we're going to go with um, the main event of Stone Cold Steve Austin, it, 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 the hometown hero wrestling in Texas uh, against The Rock, who was obviously champion at the time. It was a no disqualification match for the WWF title. Uh, not necessarily remembered for the match itself. It was it was a good match, but let's be honest, these two guys, they were characters. You know, they were entertainers. They weren't the best wrestlers. Uh, they, they were limited in what they could do in ring. They weren't great athletes. Which isn't isn't you know uh, an insult on them. It's it's the truth. I think we can all agree that. Um, but th- but this match was all about the story leading into it, the rivalry, the hatred for one another. Yeah, they are each other's greatest rival. I don't think that can be denied. Um, you could probably argue Vince McMahon for Stone Cold, but in terms of wrestling, it had yeah. to be it, it had to be each other. Um, and it's obviously fondly remembered for the end as well. It's remembered for for pr- the best heel turn of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Nobody saw it coming. It was a genuine proper shock when uh, when Stone Cold shook the hand of Vince McMahon. It spawned an iconic Jim Ross line of uh, Steve Austin shaking hands with Satan himself. Iconic for all the right reasons, but then unfortunately what it led to for Stone Cold Steve Austin going into the future was remembered for the wrong reasons. So I'm um, going to throw this over to George first. What, what are your thoughts and feelings on this match? What it did going forward? The match itself, I do think it's a very good match. I don't like the ending, though. I personally think it hasn't aged well at all. And I, like you said about Triple H and Undertaker and their series of matches, I believe Austin and Rock had better matches like Backlash 1999, um, WrestleMania 19. I know Austin wasn't 100%, but the storytelling and just the emotion. It's a great match finished, though, itself. And then what happened after, what would follow up in terms of Austin desperately trying to be a heel, but the fans would just continue to cheer for him. <laughs> and then you, you had the rock out. So we had that 
really weird feud with the Brothers of Destruction and then like a feud with um, Jericho and Benoit. But in between that feud, you had fucking Spike Dudley. And it was just a bit of a mess to book in. And then he turned babyface again. It was just a yo-yo. In my opinion, Austin never recovered from it. And I know Austin was the one that wanted to do it. And at the time, I think if you go back and watch it, you do they still cheer because it's his hometown. But it wasn't, no one expected it. You are right in that part. And it still is one of the, my, the best done hill turns, if you talk about the moment. But in terms of the aftermath and what happened, you know, I've got to question it. But, yeah, the match itself is a good match. I do like it. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy? Um, so I went back and rewatched it earlier today because it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. And there's things I noticed that I'd never picked up on before. Um, I don't like the ex- uh, the heel turn. I think it's the second, like, biggest heel turn that we've ever had in wrestling, at least in my generation. Um, but it wasn't that surprising going back and watching it just because there was just subtle, subtle – I can't pronounce the word, but <laughs> there's little things that happened in the match that made you, like, kind of see where this thing was going. And I think had Vince and Stone Cold not been working together through the match, so it was – obvious they were working together once you know, he's calling for the chair and he's doing this and that it kind of took away from the handshake moment to me um but there's moments where uh like before the bell even rang austin just should have attacked rock it's heel move uh he clocked him with the bell like he he's the one that got physical and dirty first um that's not so much but it's it's a little little heel uh hint um he was ignoring the referee when he was in the sharpshooter um and he wasn't wanting to break the hold they had to like pull him off uh just little things like that kind of made you see it was coming and then again i, I think the execution at the end was kind of yeah but it was still a big moment because it's something you never saw coming. like you would never have expected to happen yeah like you say even though they were planting the seeds throughout the match yeah. even though you could sort of start to see it coming you're still in the back of your mind you were still like no surely not Austin in his hometown the ultimate babyface the guy that we can all relate to because he hates his boss and all that kind of stuff surely it's never going to happen but even even mike do you agree with that yeah it was a a surprise obviously watching it as a kid um i was 10 well nine actually um because it's for my 10th birthday it was a big shock actually i was more of a rock guy always always was more of a rock guy than an austin guy as much as i loved both um yeah, as a kid, my reaction was as a kid would react. So it was hatred for Rockstein. <laughs> it's Rock, who's my favourite. Um, it was a shock then. Um, yes, it led to some questionable stuff, but it led to some pretty hilarious heel Austin moments. True, for example, true. with the guitar. Yeah. When <laughs> when they were singing um, "The Wind Beneath My Wings," with was it Austin's head bouncing along the words? Yeah. yeah. Episode of Raw, that was hilarious. As much as obviously he was a better baby face, you know, he was very, very funny as a heel. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The moment itself, it has, yeah, the biggest heel turn in WWE ever, probably behind Hogan in terms of overall, but it was huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you say, and, and, and the other thing about this pay-per-view is, it, as, as we said, it, it was the end of an era, the end of the Attitude Era, and we were starting to get away from guys like that. When we were we were starting to focus and bring through people like The Rock, um, from like John Cena and Randy Orton and Batista, they were trying to get away from those older guys. We didn't, we obviously, 
then started to see a lot less of The Rock because The Rock started to transition into Hollywood and he went on to become the Scorpion King and become literally the, the biggest name in the entire world. Um, it pretty much fell onto Stone Cold's shoulders to carry the company forward. I know obviously Triple H was primed to be the next Rock and to step into that that sort of that that spot that The Rock had left, but then obviously fucked his quad, completely tore his yeah. quad, and was gone for like nine or ten months, whatever it was. So it, it was just unfortunate timing for for Austin as well. I think if if The Rock had maybe stayed around, you you never know what they could have done differently. Yeah. With that, we could have revisited their their rivalry, you know, face rock, he lost in who who knows? It's all yeah. it's one of those big what ifs for me. Yeah. What if the rock uh, never lived? There was an there was another spot in that match I noticed. I was curious if anyone else noticed it. Um and WrestleMania 13, when Stone Cold fought Bret Hart, they had the double turn. And there's that iconic moment where Stone Cold's bleeding and he's in the sharpshooter and he's not wanting to tap out. They recreated that in this match. Yeah. Um, when he had it, they had the, the shot and everything. I never noticed it until mm. I watched it earlier today. I thought that was really cool. And another one of those like small little hint things of like, yeah, mm. it's coming. He, he's turning. Just to follow up on what you said quickly before we go to the next thing, like if you actually, just to follow up what you actually said is go watch Austin's commentary on that match. It is really interesting. He sort of breaks yeah. it down little spots um, as you're doing now. And it's just really cool to pick up okay. on it. So I think I think it's on YouTube somewhere, but it's it's really okay. good. Yeah, I'll check it out. Thank you. It's mine for the business. When you, I watch him do his uh, broker skull sessions, and he just he's he knows so much, and he's so passionate about it, and he's just got a great mind for it. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> one of the one of the greatest to ever do it. Whether you loved yeah. him or hated him, one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, he had a fairly short career though. I think he was only. I think he was only in WWE for like as, as an active wrestler for like eight years or something. Ninety five to oh three. Yeah. 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 You, you you don't you don't think do yeah, you? Was, yeah. Think of him always being there, but but yeah, he he was a mainstay during that time. Obviously, he was a top guy, but yeah, wasn't there it was for a particular... hell of a ride. <laughs> and one of the only one, only only. No, let me try that again. The only wrestlers to this day that has retired and not come out of retirement. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Closely, though, with that shit with Jonathan Coachman and Goldust and Vader. Well, and Vader was so <laughs> fat, like, he just couldn't stand. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so glad he didn't come back out and tarnish his legacy. His... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, look at what we've seen from Goldberg and Undertaker in the last few years, you know? And unfortunately, Shawn Michaels, unless we forget that ever happened. Man, yeah, we so forget what that happened. Yeah, what let's match? forget that. <laughs> who? There you go. Really? Daddy Arabia, what? <laughs> right let's move on to uh we, we mentioned our friend gary uh mike we mentioned our friend gary before we started recording today gary tate he's gonna love me talking about this because he takes the piss out of me all the time because all i ever want to talk about is tlc2 i could talk about tlc2 for weeks and weeks and weeks and just never get bored of doing it man i would do entire episodes on this one match until until recent matches only just pipped it for me, like um, Ila Dragunov versus Walter at uh, TakeOver, Andrade versus Johnny Gargano at TakeOver Philadelphia. This was my favorite match of all time until, like I say, about three or four years ago. Just three tag teams, six incredibly talented guys who had no fear, happy and willing to put their bodies on the line. One of my favorite things about this match is knowing that they all sat down together in a room before it and choreographed it all themselves. You know, they came up with all the spots. They decided they did a little booking for it themselves. Just these six dudes on their own in a room. They had such amazing chemistry. As you would expect, TLC2 was just full of high spots. Of course, it's a, it's a ladder match. But 
the how can I explain this without shitting on AEW too much? <laughs> um, think about the best AEW cage matches, the spot fest matches. It's hard to pick out like the best spots because there's so many of them. With TLC two, there are a shitload of great spots, and you remember all of them. You know, going through yeah, he's going through four tables stacked on top of each other. Jeff jumping off off the the top of the ladder. Edge spearing Jeff in midair as he's dangling from the belt will stay with me until the day I die. That's hot. Yeah. Leah's chair shot to Rhino when she takes the top off. The fans go nuts for that. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect over here. Spring, <laughs> halfway up her back as well. <laughs> oh, the good days. The tw- yeah, 11 year old me right now. <laughs> Jim, I'm going to go to you first, man. Jimmy, talk to me about this match and just how bloody good it was. Okay, so I've never claimed to have a favorite match. I just feel like it's such a hard conversation to have because yeah. there's just so many matches, but I tend to just uh, tell people this is the match. If I had a favorite match, it would be this match. Uh, it's the one I've watched more than any other match. I can say that for a fact. Um, and I think it, it was just, I never seen anything like it before uh, other than the first TLC. It was just fresh to me and I was just enamored by it. And I feel like, as much as I love it, I feel like that is what has spawned some of the shit we see today from people trying to emulate and capture the kind of magic that these guys had. Um, they can't, uh, no matter how hard they try, they won't because there's story involved in TLC too, whereas opposed to what we're, we're seeing today is just kind of like, well, that was a cool spot. Let's try and do that. Let's try and copy that. Let's try and just one up that and things like that. Um, like you said, the, the spear that that's one of the most iconic things I've ever seen. It's just, just amazing. I'll never get tired of seeing it. You could show it to me all day, 24 seven. I'm just like, wow. Uh, mm. The Swanton just, it was, it's, it's insane. Just the fearlessness of this man, just being that high on that ladder and just, just, yep. Just dropping with it. You see a lot of guys, they get up on the top rope or they get on these ladders and they kind of, they're having a hard time. And then Jeff, it was just boop, 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 go, boom. Uh, but yeah, that the I can't praise it any more than just saying, like, of all the matches that I, I know I love, I know for a fact that this one is for sure the top. And then it, it's it's just that memorable. I will never, ever forget. And it still gives me fear now when I watch it back. When he, when Jeff was walking across the top of the ladders. Yes. Yeah. It's me a bit like, oh, a little bit jittery. It's a scary, <laughs> scary moment that. Um, like, man, he really tried that. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. He's Jeff Hardy. Why wouldn't he? Uh, Mike, Mike, what are your feelings on the best match of all time? Oh, they had a, all of them, they had a job to, to top TLC 1. Mm-hmm. Obviously being the first match of that kind, the innovative, you know, sort of match it was. But they did, they did. Um, on a bigger stage, the spear from the ladder, you know, maybe the most iconic spear I've ever seen. Um, one of the other most iconic things I've ever seen. Ahead of its time as well, you know, for WWE. That's a match you could put on in 2021 and it would still, you know, if they put it on brand new 2021, it would feel with this sort of time. Um, not just about spots, as you said, but about story as well. You know, I'm not, you don't want to just see a spot fest for the sake of the spot fest. And that that's not what this was. Just an incredible, incredible match. Could watch it again and again, really. 
Yeah, and I regularly do, believe me. Yeah. Uh, George? Not much to add to it, boys. Um, the match itself, fantastic. It is one of my most watched matches as well. Uh, from start to finish, it's epic. You know, like Chris said just before um, we all start talking, it's one of those matches you remember each spot and they're all built to it as well. And just even the addition of Rhino and Lita and Spike in each tag team as well, it's just a fantastic match. Like it used to be the match I would show people that wanted to get into wrestling, but when it's like, where do you start? DLC two, go watch it. So not much to add boys, just a fantastic match. Yeah. Right, let's do something different. Um, let's rebook that match for the modern day. You've all got to pick one team each to replace those teams that are in there. Uh, George, you get one team. Who says? Why are we talking about just WWE or anyone? Oh, okay. Uh, go anyone. Yeah, go anyone. Uh, uh, in Young Bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'll begrudgingly, I'll agree. Mike. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you says then because that's who I would have said. That's already a great match. That's already the match that everyone yeah. wants to see is the Bucks versus the Usos. So, Jimmy, whoever you're going to put in there is just going to make it fucking god-tiered. Well, you got you got those guys, so I want some size and some brutality. So I'm going to go ahead and put the Viking Raiders in there because I think Ooh, they can throw listen. those guys around and really make it interesting. Wait, wait, Viking experience. Oh, my bad. They'll <laughs> <laughs> be the Viking Raiders forever to me. Oh. Didn't that happen for like two weeks and then it was gone? Oh, yeah. man. I was part of the uh, the IWC that was bitching and moaning about that name. I was like... Well, they they kept it as their finish, which is fine, but the yeah. actual team name is awful. Viking oh, Raiders is fine. That's just fine. Yeah, yeah. What was the finisher called before that? I can't, I can't remember. Did it have yeah. a name? I don't really remember. No, no, no I don't remember. I know they're War Raiders <laughs> in the next team, but I can't remember the finish. <laughs> Right, let's move on as much as it pains me to do so. Move away from WrestleMania 17. It is the greatest pay-per-view of all time, but we could be here all night if we were to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about something that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, probably the most iconic angle storyline from, from Jesus Christ, not even just 2001, probably of the last 20, 30 years, and it's still being talked about now because of how much potential it had and how poorly executed it was it's, of course, the WCW invasion angle. Um, I'm really sorry to bring it up <laughs> and to have to go into it. Long live the Alliance. <laughs> I've got my own personal uh, reasons for why I think that this didn't work. That I've, I've never really seen people discuss or bring up the reasons why I think that it didn't work. So I'm obviously going to put it to you guys first. I'll weigh in at the end a little bit. Little bit of backstory, obviously. Um, Shane bought WCW from under Vince's nose. Amazing moment that was. That was that was another one of the one of the, the greatest shocks of all time. You know, we knew that they were they were going to be bought out by WWF eventually. Shane popping up on the screen on the the split screen to say the name on the contract does say McMahon, but it doesn't say Vince McMahon. Fucking magic! Yeah. Such a good moment, man. I was properly shocked watching that as a kid. I couldn't believe what was happening. Yeah. Um, it had so much promise. It had so much potential. Lots of people have, have offered different reasons for why it didn't work. Obviously, they, they were missing a lot of the stars that, that we had grown accustomed to from WCW, and that is often attributed with being the reason why this angle didn't work. Um, I think as well, one, one of the problems for me with this angle is what it's done 
it's left a, a bitter taste for a lot of wrestling fans, myself especially, because obviously they brought out the competition. That was that was the end of WCW. Obviously, they tried to do what they tried to do with it in WWF. And that was it. The competition was gone. For 18 years, we didn't have any real competition. If you wanted to watch wrestling, you were watching WWE, whether you fucking liked it or not. You know, so that was a long time to go without an alternative until 2018, 2019, when AEW came into existence, unless you want to count Ring of Honor, unless you want to count TNA and Impact, which I don't think a lot of people do. But but anyway, the Alliance. Talk to me about the Alliance angle, George. What What was wrong with it? Uh, I think it, I think one thing you have said, and it fucks you off now that I'm thinking about it, is the big names that we would associate WWE with weren't there until a year later. You know, Steiner, Eric Bischoff, the NWO, Ric Flair, and the end of the, after the alliance. It's like you just couldn't have waited. So we had people like Test, Ivory, and Austin. I mean, Austin was in WCW for a few years, but I mean, who are you going to associate them with more WCW or WWF? You know, at the time. It was just a mess. Uh, I mean, I have a soft spot for it, but I think the big names not being there, the actual WCW stars, no offence to Booker T or um, Buff Packlock. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're just missing the key factors and you had to sort of, it's just, and then the mix of ECW as well. It just, it made no sense because ECW was, you know, the opposite was like the alternative to WCW, especially WCW. So and then you combine them together, Stephanie Man is the owner, and it just that's not what ECW was about. But you know, I don't think there's much more that can be said. Um, why it didn't work, but I mean I'm I'm up for talking about the positives, but I'll let the other guys talk first. Yeah, man. Mike, um, what did you think about the the inclusion of ECW? Because George makes a great point there. ECW yeah. was always that they were the rebels, weren't they? They weren't the kind of guys that would go into business with anybody else. So why yeah. what did you think of that? I understood why they did it because, like George said, the stars from WCW just didn't come over. They had those guaranteed contracts. They had money to sit at home and do nothing. They were going to take it. So there was no NWO. There was no Sting. Uh, um, you said Flair. So the only real star that came over was probably Booker T. Um, and back, back, back. <laughs> um, so that you had to, the problem was you had to use WWE guys and push them over to WCW, which then they think, why would you want WWE to fail? You're a WWE guy, Austin, you know, Angle, um, who obviously yeah, he defected in that Survivor Series back to WWE, of course, but, you know, you never, you never felt, but if, if obviously you got Sting and you got Hogan and Hall and Nash, then it would have been a completely different story. Um, obviously, there were some positives. There were some great moments. Mm-hmm. The guitar playing, um, the cowboy hat, the angle, Yippie Kaye, all that stuff. But um, the Survivor Series match, Survivor Series match. That's a brilliant match. That whole that show itself is fantastic. By the way, it's really underrated. Yeah, great moments, but overall, yeah, it could have been better, of course, if you had more stars involved. Jimmy, anything, anything else to add that the guys haven't said? I think they nailed it on the head with the top names not coming. They, it killed the angle before it even started. A um, yeah. uh, thing I didn't ever uh, know until today was I didn't know that they were really working on trying to get a TV deal to make WCW a separate brand completely. Yeah. Um, I think that would have 
been better, I think the invasion angle could have been drawn out a lot longer. It could have been more like how what we saw with NXT versus WWE yeah, a few yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah. And that would have helped it a lot. Um, I think uh, they took the title off Booker T way too soon. I mean, he's their top guy. And you basically just said, well, we're going to have Kurt Angle take the belt off him. And it kind of neuters Booker T a little bit. Like, that's their guy. And you just took the one thing that was mm. valuable to, to WCW. And then they completely botched DDP. Like, it, it, it's inexcusable. I know he was on the, the, the backside of his career. He started late anyway. But the pop this man got when he revealed himself should have told them to scrap that entire idea right then and there and push him with Booker T as the top guys of WCW. It, it blows my mind that they did that. Uh, and then Stone Cold joining was the wrong person. Like, if, if there was one person that wasn't going to join WCW, it's the guy who basically started the Stone Cold gimmick by trashing WCW for what they did to him. And yeah. it this made no sense at all. Uh, and that's essentially what made Booker T lose his belt because they didn't want both belts on the Alliance side. So they're like, okay, we'll take it off Booker T. And yeah, the, the whole thing was just dead on arrival. They should have, they should probably just not done it and figured something else out because I don't think there was a way that it could have been successfully done without those big names. Yeah. Yeah. And not to like, not to bag on, on um, Buff Bagwell too much, but do you guys remember the the main event of Raw when it was Buff Bagwell versus Booker T, and they yeah. they took the whole arena, they took the ring, they got the ring crew in, they replaced uh, they replaced the commentary team yep. with the WCW with um, Arn Anderson, and obviously they they changed the the branding, they changed the lighting in the arena, and it, obviously it doesn't help that it was a bad match as well. You also, that makes things worse. That's crowd reaction. None of it. No, the crowd wanted nothing to do with him, man. The crowd just shit on it as much as I can remember a crowd shitting on any anything wrestling related. And from that day on, you knew it was doomed because they'd taken WCW, the WCW that people loved so much, regardless of what stars came over or didn't come over. They they took WCW and they tried to make it uh, the cursed fucking WWE version of ECW. WWE ECW was a, a, a car crash. And, and that's what they tried to do with WCW. They tried to give it a WWE identity, and it, it just didn't. It just didn't work. And people were never gonna. People were never gonna um, identify with that. But I think so. Another thing that is is rarely spoken about. Think about. Think about what this story was about. It was about WWF losing for eighty three weeks in a row. Finally, you know, overcoming the enemy, buying them out. Blah blah blah. It, it doesn't matter what stars do or don't come over. For me, a big issue was it very quickly became less about WWE versus WCW and it became a McMahon's story. Yeah. As soon as you had Shane in charge, as soon as you had Stephanie in charge of ECW, like look at the, look at, look at the fat guy with the cap on sitting on commentary. You got fucking Paul Heyman over there. Why, why was Paul Heyman from day one? Not, not more involved with this to be, you know, he's so closely associated with yeah. ECW why not have him be in charge of the Alliance from day one or fucking bust a gut to bring Ric Flair in sooner? Because it wasn't too long after that, that Flair came over. In the day after the angle was over, Ric Flair yeah. showed up on Raw. Literally yeah. the day after. <laughs> Why not just pay him the money, do something. You own this guy. Do something to bring him in sooner, 
somebody so closely associated. If you're not going to get Sting, the, the next best person is to get Ric Flair. You know, that, that was a big thing for me. It just, it so very quickly became yet another McMahon storyline. And, and it didn't need to be. It should have been about, you know, about WWF versus WCW vanquishing the old enemy. It was, it was, it was just a case WWE had to try because there was no competition. They had to try and create their own competition within, within themselves. A, a bit like, as you said before, what we had with Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. But that worked really well because yeah. NXT was an established third brand or whatever you want to call it within the company for for like seven or eight years at that point. Yeah. A lot of people didn't know WCW. A lot of people, I, I myself as a kid, did not know what WCW was. I was a WWF fan. So, you know, for, for this to all of a sudden be sprung on me, I, I didn't really know I didn't really know how to take it. What, what do you think to, to those points I've just made? Uh, I agree 100% with the McMahon thing. I think um, people were starting to probably get tired of the whole McMahon thing. I mean, he'd been yeah. on the TV for what three four years at this point now um so exhaustion started to kind of set in with that i think um but the one name i don't think any of us have brought up that i think would have helped without all those other big names i think if they could have got goldberg to show up as much as we all don't like the man at that time he was still a really big hot name in wrestling Mm -hmm. and i think that would have really helped sell the wcw invasion a little bit better um, and then you wouldn't have had to put Stone Cold over there with it. But yeah, the McMahon thing was very weird and definitely didn't help matters at all. I was going to say, if they had just waited like a year to do the storyline, because yeah. obviously, like I said earlier, we would see the actual big names join WWE. I do completely understand waiting up the rest of your contracts and the uh, AOL Turner contracts. You know, that's fair enough. You're getting paid to sit at home. You know, why not just continue? Even like Ray Ray, you know, people like that. Just wait another year. You can still plant the seeds. Have like people like Billy Kidman and Bagwell, you know, just come in. You know, they, they, oh, right, but then you can sort of develop it, grow it, and then Eric Bischoff comes out and then, you know, build it up. Yeah. Build it up and then remind fans of WCW, that sort of thing. I mean, it was just, it was the McMahon thing. You guys have nailed it with that. That was just, I think yeah. at that point, especially Stephanie, I was just, I was done for at that point. Yeah, man, I don't know. Um... Very strange booking, but very Vince McMahon booking. Yeah. You know, make it all about himself. Yeah. Make it all yes. about his family. It's, it's just one of those. Um, Mike, what did you think about um, Ric Flair coming in? Obviously, he left the company best part of like 10 or however many years before. No, he left in, in 93 and he was gone for, for about eight years. Um, Flair himself has said that that's the worst mistake he's ever made in his career was leaving WWF at that point. Uh, were, were you shocked to see him back? Were you happy to see him back and the way that they used him? Yeah, of course. Um, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't that shocked because, you know, Ric Flair, one of the best, had nowhere to go, you know, and of course they were going to try and bring him back in. Um, didn't he come back in and um, sort of rival Vince as GM, GM of Raw? Yeah. Um, so that was an interesting spot for him. I wouldn't have saw that one coming. Um, it was great to get him back in, though. It would have been good if he'd have come in earlier. Of course, that would have been a big one to end. I agree with Goldberg as well. Goldberg mm. was the hottest name in WCW, maybe not ever. You know, NWO like single act, NWO aside, so in the man, but no one was more over than him. So if he had ever got him in, would have been a different story. But yeah, but it did become McMahon heavy, 
less about WCW versus WWE, more about Vince versus Shane and Stephanie. Um, yeah, they had a waited, built it a little bit more, waited for people to come in. Made people miss WCW as well because it was, well, they didn't wait very long. WCW was gone and they back. So why not wait a year? Yeah. And uh, oh, look, WCW's back. We've got people back. It could have been more interesting to wait, but you know, hindsight and everything else. I see why he tried to do it. You know, I think I think that's a really, really interesting point. They did, they did rush it. They rushed it because yeah. they they needed something to do, especially in the wake of of WrestleMania and and the end of that era. They were like, shit, we need to. Mm. We know the Rock's going to be leaving soon. We need to do something yeah. big. I think uh, when the NWO was ready, when they were ready to get those guys to come come into WWF that's when they should have pulled the trigger on the invasion angle yeah. Yeah. because if you have the nwo name and then by then some of those contracts were ready you could have brought them in rick flair was there the angle would have been 10 times better and it would have built the anticipation for someone like me who i i was diehard wcw i, I just loved it and if you would have taken that away from me and then held it held it from me been like yo what's going on with this uh, and then one night, one night, you know, I'm just getting NWO on the screen, and then all of a sudden, everyone else is coming on. I'm like, okay, business is picking up. I think it would have a much better decision. Yeah, yeah, and look, I had him on on the podcast as a guest, Lance Storm, amazing guy, amazing wrestler, really knowledgeable, knows his stuff. He's wrestling royalty, yeah. he's a legend. He he was not the guy to to you know strike the first blow. No. <laughs> And Even though it was in his hometown, he was in his hometown, yeah. so he was recognised, and he got a, a pretty decent pop out of it. But like Booker T, Hugh Morris is not the guy for your second one either. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Side note: I was at that Nitro that Shane came out, and oh, wow. you know, hey, I bought oh, it. Nice, fantastic moment. Like biggest pop of the night there. It was just, it was amazing. That's quality, man. Just a, just a, hey, look at me moment. <laughs> <laughs> I brag about that as well, mate. Don't blame me. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was, what, what, what were the, what were the people there? Like? What was everybody's reaction like? Was, was, it, it, it was nuts. Um, most, because most of the night, you know, the news had broke. We knew yeah. it was the last nitro. It, it was yeah. done. We knew that was it. Um, so it was cool. You know, uh, let's see, Booker T. He got a nice pop. Uh, but for most of the for most of the night, it was kind of just like a a somber, just yeah. well, this is the last hurrah. And then uh, I think there was a part where Shane was on the screen and he was walking through a hall, and I noticed the sheriff, and I looked at my brother and I was like, "Hey, that's a Bay County sheriff right there," um, and he's he's like, "No," and then next thing you know, here comes the money, and Shane McMahon comes out, and it's like, "What the hell is going on?" It was just <laughs> awesome. Just a quick question. Did you see Jeff Jarrett asking for spare change because he just got fired on national television? <laughs> I would have given him spare change. I love Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I need to start TNA. <laughs> I would have gave it to him. Like, here you go, slap nuts. <laughs> Obviously, there were, there were so many negatives, but uh, one positive that we should talk about a little bit as well is we've mentioned his name quite a few times. Booker T. Like, such a star, mm. man. As, uh, in, in the absence of all those stars i think he was obviously the biggest name that came over booker t was a, a, a star man he went on to have he'd already had a hall of fame career you know he's yeah. one of those guys who, if he never joined wwf he would have probably still gone in one day a bit like sting you know a very very brief run just to get him in the hall of fame man booker t had a great career didn't he it was so much fun so much charisma 
I, I think in in the wake of all of that angle, at least we got at least we got Booker T out of it. Yeah. There's another person as well, Rob Van Dam. Yes. Which is strange yes. that we're talking about a WCW invasion angle. But Rob Van Dam, what a highlight of 2001 he was. Like, yeah. he got himself over, feuding with Austin, getting bigger cheers than people like Jericho and The Rock, you know. Didn't he, didn't he have a match with Taker at Vengeance, too? Yeah, that's a yeah. quality match. I love yeah. that match yeah. for the hardcore so, title. I, I think the big names not coming over really helped someone like RVD and yeah. Booker T. I don't think I don't know if Booker T gets over as quick as he does yeah. if those big names come. So yeah. it's a kind of like a, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, RVD had one of the matches of the year against Jeff as well. Jeff Hardy. Yep. You know, absolute start. Evasion. Uh, right. Let's move on to, to um, something that I didn't realize was this far back. Um, I, I had honestly, I had no idea that it was 2001 because because the show was then revived around like 2014 briefly. Uh, tough enough. WWF tough enough. Um, the first sort of like game show, reality show kind of thing that really took off for WWF. Obviously, it was designed for WWF to find the next big thing to bring in the next big stars, and we we saw obviously no it wasn't always the winner who went on to do the best we saw a lot of i think there were only about six series all in all six or seven series um the only real name that that stuck around was john morrison um i know obviously maven was a part of it as well but tough enough i i loved tough enough i thought it was really cool a really really exciting way of doing things whoever won was uh given a guaranteed one year contract it, as I said, it didn't really work out for the vast majority of them. We mm. saw some guys come through who were like, who came like second and third as well. Um, sort of paved the way for NXT as well. I think you could say um, that that sort of feel of of, of bring of like development brand. Um, how how did you guys? What do you guys think of Tough Enough and its importance to WWE, uh, Jim? Um, I never watched the first season. Um, I heard about it, and that's what made me want to tune in for the the other seasons. Um, I think it was a great idea. Uh, I just, I, I do find it weird that the winners never really found the success that they were hoping for. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's just kind of a strange, uh, concept. And to think that, uh, people like John, someone like John Morrison is your most successful one. And he, did he even, I don't think he made it like halfway through his season. Is that, that what it was? I don't remember. Yeah, but... no, he won the third one, but he didn't qualify oh, he... for the second one. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what it was. Uh, but yeah, it was a great idea and concept. I just think uh, maybe not enough thought put into it. Uh, I think they need more. I think there needs to be more um, of what they did with NXT later on when it was revamped, how it became more interactive for the, the contestants as opposed to just putting them in the ring, teaching them stuff and making it a game show like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to bring up the, the list of winners. Uh, so you had Josh Breddy, Breddle, Josh Bread, Josh Breddle. No, no idea. No. Uh, Matt Capitelli, that name rings a bell. Um, uh, yeah, he passed away recently. Jackie Gader, of course. Jackie. Jackie. Uh, Charlie. Jackie, yeah, uh, and then obviously, as I said, you had uh, Maven as well, who is, is most fondly remembered for eliminating The Undertaker. In the Royal Rumble, and then um, he says a lot about his career. <laughs> Andy Levine. Oh, he was terrible. <laughs> Fucking hell, remember that? Oh, that was like 2011, one with Austin. 
the best uh, moment, by the way, quickly, uh, when, uh, what's her name? From the Funkadactyls. It's like, what's your favourite match? Uh, Melina and Alicia Fox. And Austin's just like, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so God. fucking oh, Cameron, Cameron. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was in AEW recently and everybody was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's only there once, so thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sarah Lee, uh, not the brand of chocolate gattos. Uh, Linda Miles. <laughs> the bad just sound like oh, normal yeah, people. Remember, like, when I was doing a Dominatrix gimmick, like, what? Oh, fucking hell. That was terrible. Uh, Daniel Puder. Right, Daniel Puder. Him, didn't, yeah. didn't have too he much of a... Say again. Miz. That was Miz's year. When Daniel... Oh, yeah, yeah. Miz was running yeah, yeah. up. And yeah. they had that match and I'm again like a boxing match. If terrible. only Miz would have won, maybe tough enough would have been huge now because look at the star he's become. Yeah. So... You know, Cuda is mostly remembered for the uh, the shoot fight with Kurt Angle, of course, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way I know him from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember him getting absolutely stiffed in the Royal Rumble with like Eddie and Chris and Hardcore Holly. Yeah. And yeah. they are oh, just stiffing the boy. Is there anyone else I missed? And then obviously, yeah, of course, John Morrison, the only one who really went on to have any any kind of success. But as I say, it was it was still an important thing because it sort of paved the way for NXT, which I think started. Oh God! How long's NXT been going for now? Oh, I think eleven. I think that's when the the thing yeah. started. Yeah, something like that. So I think Tough Enough would have finished around two thousand and six or seven, and then went away for about eight or so years. Obviously, came back with Chris Jericho involved, Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. um, Paige was involved Paige. as well. Didn't really take off as well as well as it should have done. Oh, you had um, Hogan on it as well, but then he said something them very racist. Yeah. Was yeah. it Sonya Deville one of the later? Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose? That, that's, she was yeah. in the same season, yeah. 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 Uh, what, the one with, um, uh, I can't, I can't say, I have to say his name, but Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember if Velveteen Dream was like really early NXT or if he was tougher. Oh, yeah, he, he was. was yeah, he was. Clark, tough, wasn't it? A recent tougher. There's an argument with one of the judges. I can't remember which one it was, but. I think he I think he left after only a few weeks, didn't he? But uh, that's when they did the voting off. It was, oh, it was so bad. Yeah, and then they they just obviously offered him a, offered him a deal. It's a shame. Mm. Let's not let's not get into the whole Velveteen nah. Dream thing. It's a uh, <laughs> bit of a grey area. Yeah. <laughs> right, I was I was going to put this down as an honourable mention, but I'm going to talk about it because you guys have brought it up a few times. Um, it's not just a nickname for me when Chris Jericho calls himself the Goat. Like honestly, I I genuinely believe that Chris Jericho is the greatest of all time. He's he's my he's on my Mount Rushmore. He's my greatest of all time. He's my favourite superstar of all time. And obviously, as we've alluded to a couple of times, he beat The Rock and Austin in in, in the same night. There was nobody bigger to beat to become to become world champion than The Rock or Austin. So to fucking do it two matches in a row in the same night, beat both guys to become undisputed champion, the first ever undisputed champion. I think when those matches were announced and we saw what was going to be happening that night, nobody... Nobody had Jericho oh. down as being the first no. undisputed champion. Let's no. let's be honest. That's no slight on Chris Jericho, but nobody had him down. No, he was the one I was the least likely to win. To be honest, yeah, I was the fourth. It was the fourth. Kurt Angle. That was Angle. that was my Kurt choice. Angle. That's who yeah. I thought was for sure yeah. going out on top here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it? Uh, do you guys think it was a good choice to have Jericho win? Something different. I mean, Austin held yeah. it for quite most of the 2001. 
And yeah. Rock was only going to be there till about Mania and then fuck off for another film. So it made sense. I understand. I think it made him. He made him a star. You know, he was already a big name, but yeah. the other three guys were the top of the card. The you know, Angle, Austin, Rock. Yeah. Jericho wasn't quite there, but after that night, he was. So looking back, I guess it was a good idea. I, I think it felt a little bit forced because um, I feel like beating both those guys in the same night, that's a baby face move. Mm. That's, that's something you build yeah. a baby face mm. with and yeah. to do it with a heel and it be Jericho taking out the two biggest, two of the three biggest names in the history of wrestling in the same night. And it's, it's, you could say it's at their prime. It's, it just felt yeah. just a tad forced. Mm. Um, I think with the interference I'm, as well, like Vince, yeah. I could say in the reference. I'm glad it happened. Yeah, I'm glad it happened. Um, one of the biggest pops I've ever had in my house was the night Jericho pinned Triple H for the title on Raw. Yeah. And then they took it away from him like 30 minutes later. I popped so hard when he won the title because I've been a Jericho guy since early WCW days. I, I just one of the best four moments that was. Yes. Is that as well. So, so to see him finally reach that, that level, I was mm-hmm. excited. Uh, but in hindsight, it's just it, I don't think it got them what they wanted. Uh, yeah. It did make him a star and it elevated him, but long term with that title, the the whole picture, it just it, I don't think it gave them what they were looking for. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Let's um, let's go into some like little honorable mentions. Um, one of the most fun things that happened in the whole year, one of the most memorable segments, uh, one of the most memorable like promos, I guess you would you would say, um, Kurt Angle with the milk truck. What a moment, another iconic moment. So much fun. Obviously, he did it in retaliation, sort of like a, a play on what Austin did with the beer truck. Uh, Kurt Angle is one of the greatest of all time as well. I think Kurt Angle is very, it's weird to say underrated, but he doesn't. his name doesn't come up in the conversation nearly as much as it should, especially when you consider the longevity of his career, what he went over and ended up doing in TNA and then coming back. Um, you know, things that he's done in recent years, even just as, as general manager. I loved him as general manager of Raw. Kurt Angle's one of the greatest characters, one of the greatest presences, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And people need to put more respect on his name. Yes. He can do. do it all. Yeah. Everything in wrestling. He can do it. Yeah. Love Absolutely. him. Serious. He can do comedy. He can do intense. You know, he can do brawls. He can work an Iron Man match. He can do everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe is much better. Better, yeah. Oh God, yeah, better. He, he was a better wrestler than Joe, but he, Joe has that same sort of thing of he can do funny, he can do serious, he can do scary, he can oh, do yeah. intense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe you know they worked together as well, and they had a great yeah. program together when they worked together as well. It's magic. Um, we mentioned it before. Triple H tearing his quad as well. Um, Obviously not a, not a good moment. Obviously a very a very sad moment, especially as he was on the verge of being that next top guy stepping in for the Rock. But I think, weirdly, I think I think it helped him. I think those nine months off they made people miss him. They made people yep. appreciate yeah. him more when he came back. Jesus, it's it's one of the the greatest pops of all time, isn't it? And the fact that he finished the match as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jericho, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and he uh, even even took the walls of Jericho with the torn yeah. pod as well, like yeah. the worst move <laughs> to take for it. Yeah. Oh, crazy, crazy. Um, the Rock starting off his Hollywood career. So, like, obviously, as I said before, he, he disappeared. 
Triple H should have had it. Austin had to step a bit more than he was possibly ready for or used to. Um, the Rock started out in the Scorpion King. Not like the most amazing start to a Hollywood career, but, but neither, did, neither did John Cena and look where they are now. Um, when The Rock left, what what was your guys' like general feeling about him leaving? Did you think he was going to come back? Were you worried for WWF? What, did, what How did you think things were going to play out there? Who who was ready to step up and be that next top babyface with Triple H also being out? Well, um, The Rock was my guy. I was growing up. You know, I was glad that we weren't going to see him as much uh, being younger as well. You know, I did feel like, obviously, a lot of people said he was selling out, um, even come back as a heel, you know, Hollywood Rock, which was a great character. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was gutted about it. Um, who was ready to step up? Well, who did step up? Who did we have? We had, obviously, obviously um, Austin obviously filled a big role, as he would have done anyway. Angle. Um, Definitely. Into, uh, maybe the baby, maybe Angle was the top baby face for a while, you know, going against mm. the alliance with the milk truck. He was the top top baby face in the company for for a while and yeah one of the greatest of all time being that good at wrestling an olympic wrestler and also being that good of a character it's just so rare i can't yeah what a natural guy hopefully game with stevenson has half of the character talent yeah. Kurt angle has if he does that would be could be on to the next big thing yeah, absolutely. He's got the look, he's got the, the build, he's got, I don't know if he's got the charisma, I've, I've heard him talk uh, in interviews and he just seems sounds a bit like different. he's got some, something. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. I am going to move on to, obviously, these sorts of lists are always very contentious because, you know, wrestling is so subjective. I like one thing, you guys might all individually like something else. I like High fly and I like cruiserweights. You guys might like bruisers and an old school style of wrestling. So as I say, this is by no means a definitive list. We will never have a definitive list of the greatest matches of all time. We're going to go with, I've got two lists here. Uh, the first one is Bleacher Reports, top 10, um, top 10 matches in WWE of 2001. I'm going to read out the list. Uh, just basically just want to know what you guys think, how, how you would like order your list what you think was the greatest match of that year uh, like so we're at number 10 in at number 10 you got uh kurt angle versus stone cold at unforgiven at uh, number nine the rock versus booker t at SummerSlam. number eight really low on the list uh benoit versus angle at mania 17. now you got triple h versus stone cold at no way out at number seven angle versus benoit again at judgment day at number six Edge versus Christian at No Mercy, number five. Again, Benoit versus Angle. Seeing a bit of a fucking pattern here. Benoit versus Angle, number four at Backlash. Uh, number three, Jericho versus Benoit. That is Benoit's fourth entry in this top ten. Uh, that was at the Royal Rumble. Oh, that match is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Number two, RVD versus Jeff Hardy, like I said earlier, at SummerSlam. And then number one, this is a match we have to talk about. Shane McMahon... Versus Kurt Angle at King of the Ring. Oh, brutality! Brutal. Brutal. Wait, 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 hold yeah. on, hold on. There's no TLC <laughs> two on there. Yeah, no, I'm thinking no, the same. I'm, I'm no the Rock same Austin. Way, wow. No Rock Austin. No wow. TLC two. Wow. Yeah, I know. 
What the fuck? I mean, I let you boys talk about Angle and Shane. Sorry, I, I saw the excitement in your faces then. Wow, TLC 2. Yeah. No Rock Austin. No. Fucking hell. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, number one on that list, Shane, Shane versus Kurt Angle, King of the Ring. Man, just pain. All I think of is pain when I think of this match. The the bump to the head that um, Shane took when he, when he wouldn't go through the glass. The you know the stories yeah, we've times. heard about it since <laughs> with with the referees shouting at yeah. them down the headsets and Vince getting pissed off down the headsets man. Other other than other than obviously those things that we've we've learned about since, what do you remember of this match? Because because you know Shane McMahon has obviously never been a great wrestler. He can't throw a punch to save his life. <laughs> but it didn't matter in this match, did it? It was a lot of fun. It was a very very fucking good match to be at the top awesome. of. Especially to be at the top of a list that includes Benoit and and Kurt Angle so many times already, for this to be the number one match. I I think it's the only Shane McMahon match on the top of my head that I can think of that has any kind of replay value. Um, Because like you said, he's not a wrestler, but he's entertaining. And I think this match really captures what he's willing to do to himself to get the match over. Um, I like that there was no throwing them off some high structure. I think that that's a, that's what we expect. So when we didn't see it, it's nice. Yeah. Um, and I just remember after Kurt tried suplex him twice back to the second glass, Kurt finally just said, fuck it, threw him head first through. And then there's just glass and blood everywhere. And it's just, he, he tried to drag uh, Shane at one point and it's like, that's probably not a good idea with all that glass <laughs> laying around. It, it, it was just, it's nuts to like think of that scene right there yeah. because it, it, the glass was real. There was no, there was no yeah. of that candy stuff or whatever else we use and other things. That was legit glass. Mm. But it's just the way he lands his head after like the second, third time. Oh, you can hear yeah. it now, can't you? You picture it and you can hear yeah. it. Three, yeah. three times he just bounced uh, off of it. Oh. <laughs> and he didn't land this, nicely. I'm watch the match after this now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did not land nicely any of those three times. Now, have, you guys, have, you guys, have you guys checked out the, um, the, the episode of Untold on the yeah. network? Yeah. Really yeah. interesting. I, I love those that. episodes. Really interesting. That is. If, if anybody watching this or listening hasn't checked that out, it's it's a very good use of 15 minutes. It's a brilliant yep. little insight into what happened in that match. Uh, right, let's uh, you'll enjoy this. We're gonna go for we're gonna go for Dave Meltzer's star ratings of 2001. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because God. apparently, apparently those are important. Apparently, some people care about these. Yeah. Um, as as I'm sure you will expect, all I've done is I've brought up the top. Um, we've got the top 10 here. Yeah, the top 10 matches of the year. Unsurprisingly. There is a match from Japan, obviously, because there has to be. <laughs> there is no, there are no five star matches. I'll say, I'll say that first. No five star matches attributed to any match in two thousand and one, according to Big Dave. If Rock Austin had been in Tokyo Dome, right? I know the joke is boring, but it would have got five stars. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> right, we're going number ten. Uh, this was just a, a SmackDown taping. You had uh, Stone Cold versus Chris Benoit. I'm not entirely sure which match that was. Oh, we're still hot. That's an amazing match. Forgot yeah, about that. One, yeah, if it's the one I'm thinking of, that was a very, very good match. Yeah. 
Yeah. Here. Then you've got uh, number nine is SummerSlam 2001, Kurt Angle versus Steve Austin. Uh, no Mercy, Chris Jericho versus The Rock. This is a good Ten, list. Nine, eight. Ten, nine, eight. Number seven, this should be higher, and I think we can all agree this should be higher, is the 5v5 traditional Survivor Series match. Team WF, Team Alliance. I think, I think that should yeah. be higher. It's, I'll it's, see what else is there first before I say Possibly yeah. the best Survivor Series match of all time. Possibly. Up there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely up there. Uh, and then you've got the, the match in Japan. I'm not going to try and say their names. <laughs> it is Naomichi Marafuji. Him. Yep. And Tatsuhito Takaiwa. Yeah. yeah. If they were in WWE now, they'd be chasing the 24-7 title. Uh, right, what you got? Royal Rumble 2001, Jericho versus Benoit. Yeah, we've already had that. 100%. Yeah. No Way Out, uh, Triple H versus Stone Cold in the three stages of hell. Yes. Oh, the ladder match personally a bit higher, but they, they are. I oh, love That's love. just being petty. Uh, so, remember to this day, three stages of hell. Meltzer was, was a, a smart enough man to have TLC2 in there yeah, uh, at number three. Uh, episode of Monday Night Raw, Jericho and Benoit beating Austin and Triple H. Yep. That is a good match. I'm surprised it's that high. It, I didn't really think it'd be that high because of Triple H's injury, but I think it adds to it in a way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and num- by the way, numbers 10, 9, 8, 7, and 6 all got four and a half stars. So from Jericho, Benoit, Triple H, Austin, TLC2, all of these had 4.75 stars, uh, including that tag match at number two. And then you had at number one, Chris Benoit and Jericho beating the Dudleys, Matt and Jeff, Edge, TLC four, Christian I for some reason is on that, but that was but yeah, that was the the four way four way tag team TLC match on. Uh, he put that one over TLC two. Fuck yeah. off! Nah, yeah. wow. I completely disagree with that. I mean, the list itself was actually way better than the Beach Report one, but I mean, there's bits mm. I would have, you know, like switched and I was maybe pleasantly surprised with Melter's list until you got to number one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. surprisingly, surprisingly well rounded. Surprisingly, yeah. like I said, there's only one one match from Japan in there as well. Good work, Dave. Good work, Dave. It's very rare I'm ever going to say that, but well done, Dave. I agree. Um, another thing that's just popped into my head as well um, that we didn't talk about with WrestleMania 17 and the lead to WrestleMania 17, and I think a little bit afterwards as well. Um, the treatment of Trish Stratus, like let's let's talk about that because even even in a day and age where that was unfortunately commonplace within the wrestling industry and specifically WWF, that was like really uncomfortable watching having Trish Stratus stripped down to her underwear, crawling around on on all fours and barking like a dog. Like I know I know it was all part of like humiliating her and it was all part of a. A storyline, but it really felt to me like, and especially going back and rewatching it, it just feels like Vince is getting too much of a kick out of that. Like it's just for his own amusement. Like it, I can imagine him, him getting them to do that backstage. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't necessarily just for TV. It was just a bit, mm, yeah. bit awkward. You could tell as well watching the crowd. Like the crowd didn't pop for it. There wasn't really much of a reaction. It was a little bit, a little bit awkward to watch. It yeah. wasn't cool. It's aged horribly. I mean, like yeah. we've had laugh in the show so far, but that's one of those segments like it makes me kind of ashamed to be a wrestling fan. 
sometimes. You know, there's some, like, there's moments of wrestling like you watch and like uh, I'm not really proud to be a wrestling fan. I mean, imagine if anything like that happened today. They'd be off the network. You know, it was it was that bad. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy to think um, how far women's wrestling has come in like yeah. twenty years is is a long time, but in terms of wrestling, it's 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 a, a lot. Trish, of, like how far I, she came off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's yeah. segments like that that make me appreciate women's wrestling so much today. Yeah, um, it's yeah. my favorite part of wrestling these days, and I feel like because for so long I had to witness stuff like that, and as you said, at at that time it was more like acceptable or common like that that was the thing that was on tv uh but even then you could tell like this it's still not cool uh so to see to see the girls now get uh get the opportunities that they get and to put on the matches they put on is just absolutely amazing to me and it it, I, i love to see it and trish stratus deserves so much praise for just being the professional she is and just doing doing what she had to do to evolve women's wrestling because without a moment like that there's no telling if she gets the opportunity to do the stuff with lita later on maybe they just get bored with her and they they get rid of her and then you never see the evolution start yeah Um, so so much credit the stratus has deserved for putting up with shit like that I, I, think, I think you nailed it. I'm going to drop a, an unpopular wrestling opinion here. Whenever I go on like Smack Raw and do stuff like that on their unpopular opinion shows, I always drop the same one. I think Trish is overrated. I, yeah. I don't think she's the greatest of yeah, all time. Right. I think lover or hater, Charlotte Flair is the greatest women's wrestler of all yeah. time. You know, I'm yeah. sorry to anybody who doesn't like that. I'm not a big fan of Charlotte, I'll be honest, but I can appreciate that she's the greatest. I think... Trish was in the right place at the right time. Obviously, I completely agree, Jim. Like, she went through some horrible shit and, and she persevered, worked really hard. And I will always give her a juice. She worked hard to become a, a competent, a good wrestler. But I think I think she was a really good case of her opponents were better than her and, and it made her look better. Because I think Lita, in, in that rivalry, Lita was by far the better wrestler. Oh, I think sure. the same could be said for Mickey James as well. Um, great feuds, and you know, like uh, not to take anything away from Trish, she she improved so much from being a woman in in her underwear backstage polishing a table of you know all, all that kind of stuff, polishing a table and all these sexual innuendos, and then all of a sudden she's a multiple time world champion and being taken seriously. I don't think people yeah. really remember all the crap from before. Now they remember her as being a great wrestler, but I just don't think she is the greatest of all time. Uh, I, I liken her to what Alexa Bliss has done. Um, she came in as someone who's not a wrestler at all. She's a fitness model. She's a pretty face, and that's what Vince wanted. And for for someone to come in with no experience whatsoever and then evolve into what she did, I think that's really what catapults her to the top of like the list as far when you talk about greatest. I'm with you 100%. Charlotte is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best in-ring women's wrestler of all time i i'll argue that till i'm dead uh yeah but i think the trish stratus praise comes more from that than it does what she was able to do in the ring yeah yeah you guys no, are pretty safe to say i think we all agree with that yeah no i agree i mean as much as charlotte does my head in and the character works 
you know, dodgy and her attitude stinks sometimes. As an in-ring performer, she is the best women's wrestler of our generation and just maybe all time. Oh, I love Charlotte, you know, personally. She gets a bad rap. I know, you know, because she's got so many title reigns. Um, but, you know, she is the best. And if you're the best, you get, you get booked to be the best. You know, how many times has John Cena, Austin Rock, how many times have they lost, you know, over the years versus how many times they've won? She's the, she's, she's the best. So, and, you know, she's helped put over a lot of people as well, like Becky Lynch, um, Sasha. She'll, she'll do it for, for others in the future. Um, but Trish, if, she, if Trish Stratus, at her ability, was in today, WWE or, you know, 2021. She'd she, struggle. She would struggle, yeah. Because she is a lot like Alexa Bliss. Maybe not even as good as her in the ring. So, no, I don't think she's as good as her. I think I think Trish can get over though. I think I think Trish knows how to get over. I think that's something yeah. a lot of women wrestlers today don't know how to do. Uh, not just women wrestlers, most wrestlers in general, I don't think yeah. know how to get over that well. I think Trish knows, so that might save her a little bit in this era. But yeah, yeah as far as in ring, she would she'd be Mandy Rose level. Yeah, no disrespect. No disrespect, but yeah. Yep, yep, completely agree. Right, let's let's get back to 2001. It's been a joy to talk about it. Like I say, it's my favourite year in wrestling, a banner year for WWE. Anything else that sticks out for you guys? Jim, anything else that sticks out for you in, in that year that maybe we haven't covered? Anything that springs to mind when you first think of that era? I, I feel like we had hit the bullet points. Um, I think WrestleMania 17 was the peak for me. Um, the buying of WCW and then the WrestleMania thing, I think that was where I started to kind of, uh, I fell out of love with wrestling for a little bit after this because WrestleMania, like I said, WrestleMania 17 was peak and then we get the invasion angle and it kind of was like tiring to me. Um, it was a great year looking back on it. Like thank, thank goodness for the uh, Peacock or the network, whatever. I can go back and really enjoy certain things. Um, but unfortunately, that's what 2001 usually brings to me is just that's the year I started to kind of like, ah, man, I'm not enjoying this as much as I used to. And I ended up taking a break not long after. But uh, but yeah, going back, it's a fantastic year. There's a lot to really love about 2001. Yeah, and it's, it's like you say, it's, I think I took a bit of a break as well because you had that high, the high of WrestleMania immediately followed by, by the Alliance. The biggest flop angle of all time. Yeah, exactly. It just sort of muddied the waters a little bit. Mike, anything else for you, man? Well, uh, we we've touched on the key points. Um, we touched on three stages of hell as well. Just a bit more about that. I think if a match, that's the match really tipped Triple H over the edge. Um, hmm. He beat Austin pretty much clean um, after going a fall down. You know, destroyed him. I think it was a 40 plus minute match. Um, I still remember, yeah, they haven't done, I don't think they've done matches like it since. They haven't built any match to three stages of hell match since then, I don't think. Yeah, so three stages of hell and also the comedy stuff. Um, we've, talk, we've talked about Austin and Angle. Um, Angle with his stupid little cowboy hat and his uh, mini guitar and stuff like that. Some of the, the most, the funniest things I've ever seen in wrestling to this day. So for that alone, 
you know, 2001. Great year, you know, a bad, you know, a flopped alliance angle, but a lot of great stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or do anything else, mate? I mean, it still is one of the most memorable years yeah. in wrestling history. We can't deny that. No. Yeah, we had the not. dodgy alliance angle, but there were so many highlights and positives that, in my opinion, overshadowed it as well. Um, and it's crazy to think in that year as well, we had like the Hardy Boys feuding with each other, Edge and Christian feuding with each other, just yep. all forgotten about. You know, yeah. there's so many feuds. And one thing is we've mentioned, we talked on Paul Heyman a little bit, but I don't think him and JR as a team on commentary get enough credit. Only together for like, what, eight, nine months, but it was a fantastic eight, nine months. And they really yeah. did everything they could to help that invasion angle sort of make it less shit. Um, and that, that Paul Heyman shoot interview the night before Survivor Series, the shoot promo, um, you know, he's like, oh, we've got attitude. You ain't got nothing. You know, just moments like that. I look back, yeah. I've done YouTube sometimes, but fun year. Um, we can do fancy booking all day long, but we can't change what's happened. You know, just I always try to think of the positives, but I've enjoyed yeah. talking to you boys about it. It's been fun. I'm smiling about it now because I'm going to go what go to the network and probably binge watch some of the matches that we've mentioned today. So it's been a good show. Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, King of the Ring. Thank you. I'll probably watch TLC two again. Why not? For like the fifth time this week already. Why not? I just so why not? Guys, guys, guys! Thank you so much for joining me. Like you said, George, man, it's been a blast. I, I love talking about about the past. You know, I, I interview so many wrestlers, and that's great. But there's nothing better than just getting friends together and just shooting shit and reminiscing about about the good times and the bad times. But you know, even when we've talked about the good, the, the bad times, we've still had a smile on our faces, haven't we? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what wrestling is for me, man. It makes me happy. It makes me happy. It makes me angry. It makes yeah. me fucking furious. Do you know what? By the way, the soundtrack to this episode should be Limp Biscuit, My Way. No way out. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I want to add. Yeah. That's, the that's best something we didn't package. mention. We didn't mention that fucking promo package. That, man. that video package is the best of all time. Yes. And oh. the only one that even comes close is the Bray Wyatt John Cena one. And other than that, it's, yeah. it's hands down yeah. the best. Oh, I could watch oh. that over episodes you know of Raw I think that's the SmackDown. NWO one, the Kid Rock one. And it's just like, um, it wasn't a Desire video. It was just after Desire video. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, when it's like the history of WWE and you see like the NWO coming in like throughout the video. It's fantastic. It's on YouTube. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. But yeah, HPK man. Triple H from SummerSlam as well. That's up there for me. Daniel Bryan oh, on, on the way to monster, WrestleMania. Monster. That's up there as well. There's so many. Oh, yeah. There are no bad promo packages. Next episode, promo packages. Let's do it, boys. <laughs> They're really good. So good. But again, so good. I just think there's none that even come close to the one for Rob Austin. No, it's, I agree. It's I agree. so beautiful to watch. I was going to say we should get together and do like a top 10 list, but we already know what number one is. Yeah. So like, <laughs> that's the point. People will watch from 10 down to two and they'll be like, well, I know what's happening yeah, here. Won it, yeah. <laughs> awesome, guys. Right, uh, before I let you go, um, Mike, where can we find you on Twitter and stuff? Well, uh, on Twitter at nannyboy 20 talking about, you know, wrestling. With the guys, you can hit me up there, Jimmy. Uh, I'm at Jimmy 
oh, Jimmy Bebe, not Jimmy, um, on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Jimmy. I'm NXT, yeah, I'm an NXT guy. If you if you like NXT, follow me, hit me up. I love talking about NXT all day, every day. And uh, you can also find me uh, at WrestleBuddies.com. I write takeaway articles for them. Um, and I'm on their podcast every once in a while on YouTube. So you can check me out there. Oh, George, where can we find you and your podcast as well? The podcast is called What Do You Call It? Podcast. Predominantly wrestling, but I'm also leaning towards male football and actors. Also, you can find me on Twitter at BukaMania89. If you want to know how to spell Buka, B-U-K-A. <laughs> and I talk a lot of wrestling and a lot of shite. So follow me there. Awesome, awesome. And guys, you're already here on YouTube. You know where to find me. I've just got back up on all the audio platforms as well. Obviously, it's it's my wrestling podcast now. Um, all the social media, it'll be It's My Wrestling Pod. But on Twitter, because the pricks wouldn't let me have enough characters, it's It's My Wrestle with no E pod. It's really <laughs> fucking annoying. Like, it, it just is making me angry talking about it. So let's stop talking about it. Uh, thank you, everybody who watched. Thank you, everybody who listened. Thank you to you guys for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. I'd love to do it again someday. And until next time, everybody, yeah, thank you again and take care. You think you're special. <laughs> you do. Thanks, guys. <laughs> take care. Take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.